Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. My guest for the hour today is Sean Usher. He's a writer and founder of the blog-based Archives, Letters of Note, and Lists of Note. They're very popular internationally. They've inspired books of the same name, edited by him. He lives in the United Kingdom. And uh, the bestseller, Letters of Note, is now followed up by Letters of Note, Volume 2, an eclectic collection of correspondence deserving of wider audience. And uh, this is an assortment of correspondence that spans centuries in place, an array of human emotions written by the famous and not-so-famous and the downright infamous. Among this memorable selection are an Egyptian customer complaint written on a clay tablet, a hungover Jane Austen's report on a ball, an American intelligence officer's letter to his young son on Hitler's letterhead, an invitation from John Lennon to Eric Clapton to join his band, Albus Dumbledore's rejection of a muggle's application for a teaching position at Hogwarts, and uh, much, much more. Sean Usher uh, joins us uh, from his home in the UK. Sean Usher, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you, uh, you being with us. And uh, people who are not uh, familiar with letters of note, uh, some 100 million people have visited these these archives. This, is, this has become very popular. You wrote in the introduction, however, to this book, that uh, when you uh, set this up, this, this idea of archiving uh, correspondence, old-fashioned correspondence, you, you feared you were swimming against a pixelated tide. That apparently wasn't the case. No, I, I was, you know, this started as a hobby. Um, well, if, if we go back 13 years to, to the moment I first met my wife, um, she moved away to Spain, something like two weeks after we started dating. And we lived 100 miles apart for something like 10 months. Um, and we decided to keep in touch by letter. Um, we, we made a conscious effort just to, as often as possible, correspond by letter. Um, and we fell in love by letter. Um, but I also fell in love with letter writing um, at that point. And I just became obsessed with, with letters themselves and the stories they tell. Um, but also just obsessed um, and, and just kind of depressed that we were about to lose all this as we started sending emails and tweets and text messages. Um, and I just, I just couldn't stop reading about letters and collecting them. Um, and then I started the website in 2009. Um, and, it, I mean, it took off so, so quickly. Um, it's such a simple idea. All the best ideas are, I suppose. Um, but it, I think the timing was perfect as well, as everyone you know, spent more and more time online and less, less time at the typewriter you know, with, with, a, with a pen and paper. Um, but it's it's all down to the letters and the stories they tell. You know, they, these are kind of these these are time capsules, and they're all perfectly formed stories. Um, and, and you know, there's very little I have to do. The, the website became so popular um, that the hard part now is kind of picking the best ones out of the thousands of letters I get sent by people all the time. Um, so I've got a lot of people doing my job for me, yeah. <laughs> which, which is great. But um, which, which is great, yeah. yeah. It's 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 incredible. Mm. Yeah, I just I can't believe how lucky I am because mm. I would still be doing this were it not you know had it not taken off um, mm. as it had. Um, but yeah, it's it's incredible. I want to go back to the, those love letters between you and your now wife. Um, this this is <laughs> I, I think this is this is. Uh, including, uh, you know, a lot of other correspondence, this is a lost art. I, um, my parents uh, conducted their courtship uh, by mail, and, and uh, you know, mom still has the letters. Um, it, it's something you can hold on to rather than, you know, zeros and ones. It's something ephemeral there that, uh, that, is, that is lost. Exactly. I mean, and, and I don't know about you, but when I sit down to write a letter, this is true of my wife as well, when we sit down to write a letter, we access a different part of our brains, and we're 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 far more focused at the, on the job at hand. 
if I'm writing an email, I've got I've also often got a few windows open at once, a few tabs, and I'm not really concentrating on the email I'm trying to write. But when I sit down to write a letter, I'm just completely devoted to that one subject, and um, it, I, I'm I'm more honest, um, I'm I'm more open, um, and yeah, I mean. We, I, in years to come, we're not going to be handing down boxes of beautiful old letters to our loved ones on our deathbeds. We're going to be, well, we won't be doing it, but we would be handing over passwords to email accounts. You know, it's mm-hmm. just, right. it's really unromantic. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're communicating more than ever, which is absolutely fantastic. But the way we're doing it uh, means that it's very difficult for us to to kind of keep, to, to store all of that and archive it. And um, we're, we're losing our history. Um, as we become digitized, do you uh, and do you think uh, the response? You know, hundred million visitors and counting to to, to the website letters of note. Mm-hmm. Is that a nostalgia for something we've lost, or or a, a desire to regain that? Uh, I know in the the end of your introduction to this book, you you urge readers write a letter. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I suppose I'm in the I'm, the I'm kind of the wrong person to speak to because I I'm. I'm just surrounded by people that love letters. Um, I, I get, I, I'm sent letters all the time. That I have my address on the website. People can send me letters, and they do. You know, dozens each each week. Um, I have, I have huge hopes for it. You know, letter writing has been dying since the telegram first came came on the scene. Um, the letter is dead. I mean, never so much as now um, with with people online more and more and more uh, but i do i get the, the best letters i receive are from teachers saying that they've used these books and the letters in them to teach their pupils you know either to teach them about uh, moments in history that we wouldn't know about were it not for letters or just to teach them about letter writing itself so i it's, it's definitely having an effect but you know i can't do it all my all on my own I'm, it's gonna it's gonna be a tough job for me to to kind of uh, reverse the trend of the death of the letter writing, mm. um, but you know, I think there's there's no question that it's going to become more niche a hobby as time goes by. Um, I, I just want to try and prolong that for as long as possible. You do uh, you do concerts, right? You do letters live. Uh, I don't yeah, know. I don't know if a, concert I mean, is the right I, word, but you get people like Benedict Cumberbatch to read letters, and uh, it must be uh, quite the experience. It's it's unbelievable, and I, I I never could have imagined that this would have happened. So when the first book came out over here in the UK um, in 2013, um, we decided to get a few people to read out some letters, some of the some of the best letters in the book. Um, and it just so happened that my publisher knows Benedict Cumberbatch, and he came on stage and read out a letter. Uh, the musician Nick Cave came on on stage and read out his own letter, and then played his song Love Letter. And then Gillian Anderson from X Files came on stage. It was just unbelievable, and the, res- the the response was so good that we thought, why don't we just make this a regular thing? So we we started a company called Letters Live, um, and every now and then we we have these amazing live events, and we've we've had quite a few in the UK. Thousands of people have come. Um, it's it's a night like no other, you know. This sort of thing just doesn't happen, and you wonder why when you see just how effective it is. Uh, but we're going to do uh, we're doing one in LA in February, um, and then hopefully next year we're going to do uh, a few shows in New York over the course of a week. Um, but it's just the most amazing. I mean, seeing these seeing these letters brought to life on stage is it's just kind of completes the circle. Um, it's it's an unbelievable experience. So what do you think is going on there? It, it's it, you know if if you <laughs> if you were to state this in a capsule, people are going to read letters. 
on on stage. But it, it I, I can see how reading the, some of the letters here, and we'll get into these, I can see how it would be magical. What are people coming for, do you think? People come to the show. I mean, it's a very hard show to sell, to be honest, because it doesn't sound <laughs> particularly thrilling. Uh, but there's something... I mean, a lot of these letters are very personal, and they were never meant to be read by more than one person, let alone performed in front of hundreds, you know? Um, so there's something... I mean, I think naturally humans are nosy. I'm more extreme than, than most. I'm incredibly uh, curious about the private lives of others. I call this a legitimate form of snooping. And I think to bring that out on stage and to hear someone's innermost thoughts... Um, as it was written in a letter, I just think it's one of the most um, compelling things you can see on stage. I mean, there's also, you know, the fact that we get something like um, anything up to a dozen different performers on stage each night. Um, and, it, you know, they're all incredible. And there's, there's nothing like seeing these stories brought to life by, you know, professional actors. You know, the, you can see why they earn the money they do when they're on stage reading these letters. But mm. it's just um, it's just a magical night, you know, uh, um, it's uh, it's like the perfect storm. Um, uh, and I'm th- opening the phone lines here and email. I'd love to hear from from you uh, your favorite or most extraordinary letter that you've received, or the most extraordinary letter you have sent. In this age of email and uh, you know Twitter and uh, Facebook, uh, do you write letters? Is is it a lost art in in your life, or do you continue to do it? I'd love to hear about your favorite or most extraordinary letter from from your life, and we'll jump into these these letters from Letters of Note, Volume Two. We have Sean Usher, uh, the author with or the uh, compiler with us. Um, the the toll free number is 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495 or upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. Um, so uh, just a brief story from, uh, I mentioned my, my father and mother's correspondence. They carried on their courtship. They met, in, but then uh, mother went uh, back to her home in, in Utah. They met up in Montana. And they carried on their courtship through, um, through letters. And so, you know, now mom has those letters. Um, it, a, a brief story, mom was living at home, and she found out only later that uh, grandma, my grandmother, her mother, had been steaming open those letters from <laughs> from her future husband, her daughter's future husband, to, to read. She was so curious to see where this was going, and then you know, then she'd put them back together. Uh, it went to went to your um, your statement earlier. We we are by nature nosy, and a lot of this correspondence in this yeah. book is it, it was only meant for one person or 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 one group, but we're curious to to peek uh, into people's lives. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I'm just always desperate to learn how other people react to certain situations. So to, to see people, you know, it, it, but also what I've learned actually through the years, and I've, I've looked at letters, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years old, you know, letters that were kind of carved into clay um, up to modern day. And what's very, very clear to me now is that we've always discussed the same things. You know, it's always been the same emotions. It's always been the same you know, crises, the same political landscape, just, you know, we, we've not much has changed over the years. Um, but it's still fascinating to, to just, you know, peek at these private moments and, and just kind of see how the other half lives. Now, uh, so I want to dive in and uh, I want to read uh, my favorite letter, favorite maybe, but most impactful letter from, from this book, Letters of Note to Volume 2. This is page 138. I'll just read this and we can talk about this. Uh, this is Bertha Brewster to the Daily Telegraph 
uh, February 1913. Uh, Bertha Brewster was a, a suffragette. Sir, she says in, in her letter, everyone seems to agree upon the necessity of putting to st- a stop to the suffragist outrages, but no one seems certain how to do so. There are two and only two ways in which this can be done. Both will be effectual. One, kill every woman in the United Kingdom. Two, give women the vote. Yours truly, Bertha Brewster. That's that's extraordinary. And that, you, 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 you like Bertha immediately. You want to you meet her. Oh, you do, yeah. And how to say so much in so few words. That's, I mean, that's one of the, one of the shortest um, letters in the book, but it says more than most of the letters in the book. Um, and it's just perfect. And I found that I was looking through the archives of the Daily Telegraph to find something else that I'd heard about. Um, and then just came across this incredible letter by Bertha Brewster um, and just completely fell in love with it. And, and yeah, this was 1913 when... Um, you know, women really were fighting for the right to, to vote and to be heard. Um, so this letter is just uh, kind of the perfect the perfect capsule. Let's take a break. When we come back, more with Sean Usher. He is uh, the, the editor, the archivist of the uh, very popular online uh, blog-based uh, lettersofnote.com, 100 million visitors and counting. He also is a compiler, archivist for Lists of Note. That's listsofnote.com. And you can find more about uh, him personally, seanusher.com. Uh, the, the latest book is an extraordinary book, Letters of Note, Volume 2, Correspondence Deserving of a Wider Audience. Uh, when we come back from break, uh, Sean Usher, I'll alert you, uh, page 16, I'll maybe have you read uh, this letter from Abraham Lincoln to a, a, a sorrowing uh, person. Um, and, and then uh, just extraordinary uh, letters um, from passengers on the Japan Airlines Flight 123 which uh, which uh, crashed, uh, they all killed. Uh, we'll get into um, Jane Austen with a hangover after a ball and uh, many, many others. Uh, this one uh, caught my interest, Ayn Rand, to Cat Fancy Magazine. Uh, sort of not what you would expect from Ayn Rand. Much more following this break. This is Management Minute by Professor Scott Hammond. A business leader who built a company came to me complaining, I can't solve all the problems. I just don't have the time. My response was, why are you solving problems? A leader should be a problem clarifier and coach those who stand face to face with problems. But good leaders don't solve problems. They help others avoid, prioritize, and yes, sometimes solve problems. It is a real challenge for most of us to let go of the things that we were good at earlier in our careers and move from becoming a problem solver to a problem clarifier. The Management Minute is brought to you by our members and the USU Shingo MBA program at the John M. Huntsman School of Business, a 15-month graduate degree for executives giving knowledge and skills to leverage the principles and tools of lean continuous improvement. Huntsman.usu.edu. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Global Village Gifts annual Nativity Night event. Friday, November 11th from 6 to 9 at 69 East, 100 North in Logan. Featuring nativities from around the world, all handmade under the principles of fair trade. Information at globalvillagegifts.org. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. We're talking with a writer, uh, Sean Usher. He's founder of the blog-based archives, uh, Letters of Note and Lists of Note. 
Uh, very popular nationally. They've inspired books of the same name, edited by him. He lives in the UK. He joins us from there. Uh, the latest book is Letters of Note, Volume 2, an eclectic collection of correspondence deserving of a wider audience. Uh, included um, are an Egyptian customer complaint written on a clay tablet, hung over Jane Austen's report on a ball, uh, uh, invitation from John Lennon to Eric Clapton to join his band, Albus Dumbledore's rejection of uh, a muggle's application for a teaching position at uh, Hogwarts. We're talking about the uh, perhaps um, disappearing art of letter writing, hopefully not, and uh, we're talking about letters of note, and uh, I want to know the most extraordinary letter you've received or sent. And uh, do you do you send letters anymore? Do you receive letters? 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495, or upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. Uh, Sean Usher and his wife uh, fell in love through letters, uh, he says. And this book is dedicated to, to her. Um, 800-826-1495 or upraxcess at uh, gmail.com. Uh, Sean Usher, I wonder if I could have you read this letter from, from Abraham Lincoln, page 16. Sure. Um, so this was written in uh, 1862 um, during the Civil War. Um, and Abraham Lincoln discovered that one of his, um, the daughter of a friend, had um, uh, was in depression. Um, and he wrote this amazing letter. So I'll, I'll just read this out. Washington, December 23rd, 1862. Dear Fanny, it is with deep grief that I learn of the death of your kind and brave father, and especially that it is affecting your young heart beyond what is common in such cases. In this sad world of ours, sorrow comes to all, and to the young it comes with bitterest agony, because it takes them unawares. The older have learned to ever expect it. I am anxious to afford some alleviation of your present distress. Perfect relief is not possible, except with time. You cannot now realize that you will ever feel better. Is not this so? And yet, it is a mistake. You are sure to be happy again. To know this, which is certainly true, will make you less, some less miserable now. I have had experience enough to know what I say, and you need only to believe it to feel better at once. The memory of your dear father, instead of an agony, will yet be a sad, sweet feeling in your heart of a purer and holier sort than you have known before. Please present my kind regards to your afflicted mother, your sincere friend, A. Lincoln. So, uh, yeah, just just a, a lovely, lovely letter. Again, you know, so few words, but he says so much. He's such a... He, I mean, he was an incredible writer. He wrote some beautiful, beautiful letters, but... Um, yeah, that's that's one of my favorites. So part of this is it's Abraham Lincoln, right? And he he, he was a wonderful writer. Mm. Um, I wonder how much yeah. of this was the the form. I, you know, I, I can't imagine Abraham Lincoln with a Twitter account. Um, I, I don't want to imagine <laughs> that. But uh, he he was brief, so maybe he would have been good. But uh, it seems like there is something lost if we if we sit in front of a keyboard versus pen on paper or you know it's it's a different form and it and it produces perhaps uh, lesser results exactly well it's like i was saying before it's you know you sit down at a, a typewriter or with a pen and paper and you access a different part of your brain you you are far more willing to well you, you, you for a start you, you have to take time it's such it's, it's not an easy thing to do to write a letter you know it's, especially on a typewriter it's well these days because we don't get any practice yeah, um, you have to take your time. I mean, look at, for instance, look at Donald Trump. He's um, he's on Twitter all the time, and it's, it's, he's hardly um, 
artistic in his uh, in his messages. Um, but yeah, I can't imagine Abraham Lincoln ever, you know, getting on Twitter. Um, but you know, I'm I'm glad we've never found out. <laughs> That's right. And uh, you know, this is Donald Trump's advisors have threatened to take away his Twitter account. Maybe they maybe they ought to make him put pen, pen on paper. <laughs> Um, you know, long form that that might that might help Mr. Trump out. Yeah, I mean, well, he's uh, Donald Trump has. Um, he's, I've searched for his letters. I've I've tried to find some letters that he's written, and he has written quite a few. Or he's he's kind of scribbled a few, um, but they're always you know they're very distinctive voice of Donald Trump. You know, very quite aggressive and spiky, and um, yeah, he's not exactly uh, Mark Twain. But um, yeah. no surprise. Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd vote for Mark Twain. Um, so uh, <laughs> and uh, Mrs. Clinton could maybe you know take away her emails and make her write write letters that might have helped her out with the email problems. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, well, you can always steam, as you've said before. You can always steam. You can always steam those open. Yes, you can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, so there's problem. Well, the they're not. The they're not absolutely secure. That's yeah. that's true. Uh, I wonder if we could... Uh, Maybe Hillary Clinton, just she just couldn't, shouldn't correspond at all. <laughs> That's right. No correspondence at all. Yeah. I, I want to uh, maybe go next to um, an extraordinary series of memos. This is Tiger Oil Company, page 78. Um, and, and so this, these are not only letters. These are old-fashioned typed memos, right? This is from the 1970s. Oil Company owned by Edward Mike Davis. And this gets us into, it's an extraordinary glimpse into the office politics here and what's going on. Maybe yeah, we I, could set this up. Tell us what Tiger Oil Company was was about and, and, and about Edward Mike Davis. So I was contacted, like, shortly after I started Letters Note, the, um, the website, I was contacted by someone that used to work in the oil industry in the U.S., and he said to me, I've, I have this amazing series of memos, of inter-office memos, that were sent by someone called Tiger Mike, in, uh, who was the head of an oil company, Tiger Oil Company in the U.S. Would you like to see them? So I said, absolutely, send them over. And he sent me, <laughs> he sent me dozens and dozens of these memos that spanned a few years. And they're just memos from Tiger Mike, the boss of this company, to his staff. And he was incredibly grumpy. Um, it look it seems from his memos i've since um been in contact with him it seems like he um he enjoyed being quite you know aggressive in his memos and he didn't take any prisoners and it was his way or the highway um so i've included a few in in the book i i i was trying to contact tiger mike for a long long time and i eventually got through to him and he agreed for me to to put them in the book and i was very very grateful um he passed away just a few weeks ago actually so it's quite sad oh, oh really um, really mm. but yeah yeah, he did. Yeah, um, uh, which is yeah, really sad. But um, he seemed, um, you know, fr- from the little contact I had, he seemed to quite enjoy the fact that he was uh, that he was in this book. Um, <laughs> well, good. So, good. You know, it's a, it's a ple- it's a pleasure to have them in there. I wonder, could could you read the the first three? And it, it, it escalates from here. This will give people a taste. But by the way, he <laughs> he he was known as Tiger Mike. Yeah, that was his nickname. Okay, yeah. yeah. And, you know, that, he, that, that, was a nick, that was a nickname that he kind of embraced as well. Yeah, that, I, that'd be um, so kind of cool. <laughs> so I'll read the first few. Um, uh, two secretaries from Edward Mike Davis, date January 3rd, 1978. This is a business office. All correspondence and other things pertaining to this office will be typewritten. 
Handwriting takes much longer than a typewriter. You're wasting your time, but more importantly, you're wasting my time. If you don't know how to type, you'd better learn. Edward Mike Davis. <laughs> to all employees, January 5th, 1978, from Edward Mike Davis. Subject, kitchen facilities. Gertrude Love has been hired to work in our kitchen and do light office cleaning. She will start Monday, January 9th. The kitchen will be her office and no one will be permitted to loiter there. If you want something from the kitchen, she will get it for you. If she's not in the kitchen, get what you want and get out. Lunch will either be prepared here or sent in by Jamails every day and you are welcome to eat. She will prepare your plate, hand it to you and you can go to your office to eat. You will not be allowed to serve yourself unless she's not in the kitchen. Edward Mike Davis. Um, to all employees, date January 11th, 1978, from Edward Mike Davis. Subject, idle conversation. Idle conversation and gossip in this office among employees will result in immediate termination. Don't talk about other people and other things in this office. Do your job and keep your mouth shut. Edward Mike Davis. But yeah, they they go on and on. I, I've got about forty of these memos. <laughs> yeah, they're they're all, and they're all. Uh, I have the logo, the, the the Tiger Oil Company logo with the tiger yeah. and the and the oil derrick. Uh, and then it escalates. He he talks about in all caps. Uh, keep your feet off the furniture. Um, he, <laughs> he talks about you, you know you got to take your vacation a certain time. And, and my favorite, he he talks about how he is the owner of the company. He can swear, but yeah. he he wants other people to cut it out. <laughs> Yeah, and at one point he goes, he says something like, you know, the uh, the quickest the quickest way for you, to, no, the, the slowest way for you to talk to me is actually I can't remember. I've got it completely wrong. Is the but fastest? That's, that's very, yeah. very funny. Yeah, it is not <laughs> fast enough. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he sounds like quite a character. So well, I guess we we mourn his loss <laughs> since he yeah. since he's gone. Um, I wonder. Um, there, there are letters. I mean, there, there, there are sort of mundane letters which give you a peek into regular people's lives and what it must have been like to work at Tiger Oil Company. Um, but there are letters from famous people as well. Um, one of my favorites was was the wonderful Emily Dickinson. It's page two twenty eight, and uh, this, this is uh, she had a favorite uh, nephew who died at age eight, uh, Thomas, um, and from I think. Uh, typhoid or something uh, she was clearly yeah, right. in love with him and uh, you know a very doting aunt and and she writes this just incredible letter um, as only only Emily Dickinson could to her sister the the mother of the child I wonder if you could yeah. read, read that for us sure it's, it's such a poetic letter I mean, she was she the majority of her letters were poetic you know it, it stands to reason but this one's particularly uh, particularly touching um, dear Sue, the vision of immortal life has been fulfilled. How simply at the last the fathom comes, the passenger and not the sea, we find surprises us. Gilbert rejoiced in secrets. His life was painting with them. With what menace of light he cried, don't tell Aunt Emily. Now my ascend playmate, ascended playmate must instruct me. Show us, prattling preceptor, but the way to thee. He knew no niggard moment. His life was full of boon. The playthings of the dervish were not so wild as his. No crescent was this creature. He travelled from the full. Such sore, but never set. I see him in the star, and meet his sweet velocity in everything that flies. His life was like the bugle, which winds itself away, his elegy an echo, 
is requiem ecstasy, dawn and meridian in one. Wherefore would he wait, wronged only of night, which he left for us? Without a speculation, our little Ajax spans the whole, pass to thy rendezvous of light, pangless except for us, who slowly forward the mystery which thou hast leapt across. Emily. The vision of life, immortal life, has been fulfilled. How simply at the last the fathom comes, the passenger and not the sea we find surprises us. Gilbert rejoiced in secrets. His life was painted with them. In fact, I've just repeated the last bit there. <laughs> yeah. But it's a, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a beautiful, beautiful letter. Now, how did you how did you come ac- across this? I, I'm a guessing that uh, Emily Dickinson's uh, sister Susan would have kept this. In... Yeah, she kept this one, um, thankfully. But um, you know, back back in the day, people used to you know they used to make copies of their letters. So. It, Thankfully, there are copies of these letters um, in most cases. But this particular one, um, I found the original. It was kept by Susan. Um, and it's a beautiful thing. You know, it's, it's so nice to see someone's handwriting as well. She had quite unique handwriting. Um, it just kind of adds another dimension to the whole experience, being able to see, you know, just even the paper they've chosen, the smudges, the, the mistakes. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. I think I saw this one. Uh, I've got a collection of Emily Dickinson's letters. And this was mentioned in that collection, but I had to search quite hard for the uh, to, to find the original. Uh, but you know, worth, worth the effort. And in the book, you do have you you do have uh, facsimiles of of the original letters, and so you get to see Emily Dickinson's in this case handwriting. Um, that is a wonderful thing. That's I, mean, I think we're really losing that. I, I I don't know if they teach cursive anymore in in grade schools, at least in the U.S. Uh, and and actually putting pen to, to paper. It's even more of a lost art form than, say, typewriting or, or typing out, keyboarding a letter. It is, yeah. I mean, it's the same. Looks like we uh, may have uh, lost uh, Mr. Usher. Um, are, are you there? Let's uh, go to break. We'll uh, take a brief break, and we'll try to get uh, Mr. Usher back on. We'll t- we're talking about Letters of Note, Volume 2, Correspondence Deserving of Wider Audience. Um, Sean Usher is uh, the compiler archivist of the uh, very popular lettersofnote.com. That's an archive of letters, and listsofnote.com, a, an archive of lists. You're welcome to join the conversation here as well at upraxis at gmail.com or 1-800-826-1495. More following this break. For more than a year, the election has consumed the nation. I am officially running. We're president of the United States. We're going to build the wall. Women's rights are human rights. And we will human make America together. The process is rigged. Trump's hate. On November 8th, the votes will finally be counted. NPR will have live round-the-clock coverage. Join us for the results, reaction, and analysis on the big night. Tune in Tuesday night for full election coverage here on Utah Public Radio. I'm Michelle Hickson with USU's Center for Women and Gender, inviting you to learn more about Utah projects and people that empower during Utah Public Radio's original series, Objectified More Than a Body, Tuesday afternoons at 4.30 during All Things Considered and Wednesday mornings at 7.41 during Morning Edition. Program listings and times found at upr.org. Heard only on Utah Public Radio. I'm Jeremy Hobson. All year, our election road trip has taken us around the country. In South Carolina, this young man wants Trump to bring back jobs and more. I was trying to see if 
Trump can put some bowling alley, a movie theater, and all this together, and that way kids got somewhere to go instead of just walking around the streets. We'll look back on some of the people we've met. That's next time on Here and Now. Join us for the second half of Here and Now today at noon on Utah Public Radio. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. We're talking about a, uh, a beautiful new book, Letters of Note, Volume 2. It's the successor to the bestseller Letters of Note. It's an eclectic collection of correspondence deserving a wider audience, at least in the opinion of compiler Sean Usher, uh, who is a writer, lives in the UK. That's where we have reached him. And uh, he is the founder of blog-based archives Letters of Note and Lists of Note. Uh, and uh, we're reading uh, some of these letters, and uh, we're wondering if you still write letters. And if uh, so, uh, w- what is the most extraordinary letter that you have ever sent or received? Um, the number is 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495, or upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. What's the most uh, extraordinary memo that you've ever received? We read those extraordinary series of uh, memos from uh, Tiger Oil Company. Sean Usher is with us uh, for another uh, 20 minutes or so. Uh, 800-826-1495 or upraxcess at uh, gmail.com. I'm fascinated by some of the history here, uh, Sean Usher. One of my uh, favorites is a uh, a letter by Eleanor Roosevelt uh, to representatives from the um, Daughters of the American Revolution. Um, and I'll, I'll just go ahead and read this one. This is page uh, 237. Uh, people, I think, know the history of the great uh, contralto Marian Anderson, who happened to be black, um, uh, was disinvited from uh, performing at, uh, at, at a hall owned by the Daughters of the American Revolution. Eleanor Roosevelt uh, uh, arranged for Marian Anderson to uh, perform on the, I think, the, the uh, steps of the Lincoln Memorial, and uh, many thousands attended. It became uh, uh, quite the event. So here's the letter from Eleanor Roosevelt. My dear Mrs. Henry M. Robert, Jr., I'm afraid that I have never been a very useful member of the Daughters of American Revolution, so I know it will make very little difference to you whether I resign or whether I continue to be a member of your organization. However, I am in complete disagreement with the attitude taken in refusing Constitution Hall to a great artist. You have set an example which seems to me unfortunate, and I feel obligated to send it in to you my resignation. You had an opportunity to lead in an enlightened way, and it seems to me that your organization has failed. I realize that many people will not agree with me, but feeling as I do, this seems to me the only proper procedure to follow. Very sincerely yours, Eleanor Roosevelt. That's that's a brief but extraordinary letter. It seems to me your organization has failed. It's pretty direct. It is, yeah. And this was in 1939 as well, so it was quite uh, it was quite a brave thing to do, I suppose. Um, it would have been very easy for her to just ignore this and not write any kind of letter and, and just kind of keep quiet. But she she did it, and it's it's uh, it's quite a statement to make. Um, and it's yeah, it's fantastic. It's very um, it's, it's a very trim letter. It's um, uh, it's very to the point, but but brilliantly written. And um, yeah, thank goodness she did. But yeah, it's, the the eventual um, uh, was was uh, the eventual concert was. Um, uh, attended by 75,000 people. So, you know, it, it really did make a difference. Yeah, yeah it became a landmark uh, in, in, in the March for Civil Rights. Um, sometimes we get a glimpse um, be into the character of, of uh, people that we would not otherwise know. Um, you know, this is an important uh, tool for biographers, for example, uh, going to the letters, correspondence. Uh, page 226, I wonder if you could read me. Uh, this is Richard Feynman, 
the great physicist, uh, to one of his uh, proteges, who was who was apparently uh, from a from a letter that uh, that uh, his name was Koichi Mano had sent to Mr. Feynman. Uh, it was apparent to to Richard Feynman that uh, Mano was feeling down about himself and about his career. And uh, Feynman, in a very, was, yeah. very kind way, is seeking to to lift him up. Um, so we should read the the first couple of paragraphs and then the last paragraph, perhaps there. Um, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, but I'm going to go for Koichi. Um, Dear Koichi, I was very happy to hear from you and that you have such a position in the research laboratories. Unfortunately, your letter made me unhappy, for you seem to be truly sad. It seems that the influence of your teacher has has been to give you a false idea of what are worthwhile problems. The worthwhile problems are the ones you can really solve or help solve, the ones you can really contribute something to. A problem is grand in science if it lies before us unsolved and we see some way for us to make some headway into it. I would advise you to take even simpler, or as you say, humbler problems until you find some you can really solve easily, no matter how trivial. You will get the pleasure of of success and of helping your fellow man, even if it is only to answer a question in the mind of a colleague less able than you. You must not take away from yourself these pleasures because you have some erroneous idea of what is worthwhile. You say you are a nameless man. You are not to your wife and to your child. You will not long remain so to your immediate colleagues if you can answer their simple questions when they come into your office. You are not nameless to me. Do not remain nameless to yourself. It is too sad a way to be. Know your place in the world and evaluate yourself fairly not in terms of your naive ideals of your own youth, nor in terms of what you are, you erroneously imagine your teacher's ideals are. Best of luck and happiness. Sincerely, Richard P. Feynman. Uh, which is just a lovely, lovely way to kind of instill some confidence in someone who, who believed that the only problems worth trying to solve were the, were the big problems, you know? Um, and it's, it's a... It's a it's a wonderful wonderful letter. There's there's a book of Richard Feynman's letters, um, the name of which I forget, but every single letter in that book is is worthy of a collection like this. It's just um, it is it's, it's a book of treasures, and um, I think every volume of letters <laughs> letters of note I do, I'm going to end up putting one of Richard Feynman's letter in, letters in because he was such a, a a fantastic and very generous, really generous writer. Uh, it mo- mostly letters to colleagues to were there letters to family what uh, what was it about yeah, letter, letter to family. yeah there's, I mean a lot of it was professional you know uh, letters about his work and um, letters about his studies his research but there were yeah, there are family letters in there as well there's an incredible letter um, in fact this is one I included in the first volume of letters of note um, his wife died quite young and he um, he wrote her a letter after after she died and he kept it in his suit pocket, and it was, it was found after his death. Um, and it's a beautiful, beautiful love letter to his dead wife, in which he just, you know, t- tells her how, you know, he he realizes that she wants she would want him to find someone else to fall in love with, but he can't because no one compares to her. And it's just the most beautiful, beautiful thing. And then the, the postscript says, um, "Please excuse me for not mailing this, but I couldn't find your new address." I mean, it's just absolutely heartbreaking. I'm I'm a sucker for. Um, incredibly emotional letters you know if it, if it produces tears in my eyes or even gets close to producing tears in my eyes um then i consider that letter to be you know of note particularly of note um 
I could I could easily fill a few books full of letters that just you know, bring you to tears. But um, yeah, he was he was an incredible writer. Uh, and uh, Feynman had you know there are some controversial aspects to the to, to the man. This is this is a very very touching mm-hmm. uh, part of him. The, this letter and the letters you're describing. Yeah, this, uh, yeah, and uh, this comes through in the letters. You know, um, it's, uh, and, and these are his private moments as well. So I think it's. It seems to me like um, reading someone's letters is 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 quite a good way to to get through to their real kind of character, you know, um, because you are unguarded most of the time when you're writing a letter. You're not putting up a front. Um, you, you are kind of being more honest than you would normally be. So um, I, I consider it to be quite a good judge of character um, when you read someone's letters. Well, you like emotional letters. You've certainly included some that. Uh, one where I uh, almost wept openly was uh, Raymond Chandler to Leonard Russell. This is page uh, forty-seven. Uh, I wonder if you'd tell this story and, and read this letter for us. This we 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 think of Raymond Chandler as hard-boiled, right? And the, from his from his works, <laughs> um, but he he did have a, a exactly. love of his life. Who who he just in fact when she died he he deteriorated pretty fast. Yeah, he went to pieces. Um, you know, you see this a lot when when people have been married for a long time and then their their partner dies. They just kind of they they lose grip, um, and you can understand it. You know, if you've spent so much time with someone. But um, his wife, um, his wife Sissy, died uh, in 1954, um, and he wrote this beautiful, beautiful letter to um, uh, to his friend uh, Leonard Russell. Um, Dear Leonard, your letter of December 15th has just reached me, the mails being what they are around Christmas time. I have received much sympathy and kindness in many letters, but yours is somehow unique in that it speaks of the beauty that is lost rather than condoling with the comparatively useless life that continues on. She was everything you say and more. She was the beat of my heart for 30 years. She was the music heard faintly at the edge of sound. It was my great and now useless regret that I never wrote anything really worth her attention. No books that I could dedicate to her. I planned it, I thought of it, but I never wrote it. Perhaps I couldn't have written it. She died hard. Her body fought a hundred lost battles, any one of which would have been enough to finish most of us. Twice I brought her home from the hospital because she hated hospitals and had her in her own room with nurses around the clock. But she had to go back. And I suppose she never quite forgave me for that. But when, at the end, I closed her eyes, she looked very young. Perhaps by now she realises that I tried, and that I regarded the sacrifice of several years of a rather insignificant literary career as a small price to pay, if I could make her smile a few times more. No doubt you realise this was no sudden thing, that it had been going on for a long time, and that I've said goodbye to my sissy in the middle of the night in the dark, cold hours many, many times. She admired and liked you very much. I'm not sure that she liked Dillis as much as I did because possibly she suspected I liked her too much and it's just possible that I thought she liked you a little too much. I hope that you are both well and prosperous and that I may have the privilege of seeing you again in the not-too-distant future with or without the butler from the Ritz and I hope I'm not being too sentimental if I sign myself, yours affectionately, Raymond Chandler. Um, Again, just a a beautiful, beautiful letter and I, I always think it must be so hard. I've never, I've never... I've not really lost anyone that close to me um, yet, uh, um, thankfully. But I can't imagine writing a letter that beautifully at a time of such sorrow. Um, it, it must take a, um, a huge amount of um, effort and, and skill 
Um, but, you know, this was Raymond Chandler. These words seem to just kind of roll off his tongue, mm. you know, you know fr- from, his, from his pen. Uh, he was another incredible writer. Very poignant to to take a look behind the scenes and 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 his insecurities. He he wanted to write a, he wanted to write better for her. In, in uh, around this time, he was writing the Long Goodbye, you know, a, a classic. But in in his mind, he wanted to do better and be better for her. I guess. Yes, it just goes to show that you can never, you know, to, to, no matter how successful you think someone is, you you, know, you never really know how successful they feel they are themselves. You know, there's there's that. We've all got a complex of some kind, and, um, and, and, and this was his, it seems. Um, but yeah, it, just, just beautiful. Uh, she was the beat of my heart for 30 years. She was the music heard faintly at the edge of sound. Yeah, like you said, I, I wish I could write that way. I guess the, the key is just to, just to write. Just to write. Some of us have it in us, you know, the, the, the ability to, to be poetic, you know, just effortlessly. Well, it, th- these letters... They seem effortless, you know, the way they're written. But um, yeah, he had a he had a real talent. Um, it takes me when I write a letter. It takes me it takes me at least like an hour to write a short letter. You know, I go over and over the same things again and again, trying to trying to make every everything sound a bit more poetic. The problem I have is that I've I've read I've read so many incredible letters that I've got a, a huge inferiority com- complex when I write my own letters because I think <laughs> that none of them are good enough. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that's always going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it's just very poignant to, uh, to, to to know, to learn reading from your book that uh, five years after the passing of of his wife, Sissy Raymond Chandler, uh, died. He uh, She had been able to uh, keep him out of alcoholism and he, he fell prey to that after her death and, and died five years later. I wonder, just over the page, there's a there's a wonderful letter from Carl Sandberg to his daughter. Very brief letter. I wonder if you could tell us this story and read the letter. Yep, I'm just going to get the right page. Sorry, just bear with me. Uh, 40, 46. Uh, yeah, this was, uh, this, this, yeah, I've got it. This uh, 1921, um, and um, they had, some do- they had uh, three daughters, sorry. They had three, yeah. And uh, their oldest daughter, uh, Margaret, um, was epileptic, and uh, after she was diagnosed... Um, he wrote this beautiful letter to his daughter. Um, it's November 20, 1921. Dear Margaret, this is only a little letter from your daddy to say he thinks about you hours and hours and he knows that there was never a princess or a fairy worth so much love. We are starting on a long journey and hard fight, you and mother and daddy, and we are going to go on slowly, quietly, hand in hand, the three of us, never giving up. And so we are going to win. Slowly, quietly, never giving up, we're going to win, Daddy. Which is just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, a lot, a lot of love, a father's love there, encouraging uh, his daughter. Uh, and of course, it's Carl Sandburg. Um, but uh, but you, you get the glimpse in, into the private man uh, there. And that's that's one of the advantages of a, of a letter meant, you know, just for his daughter. Uh, I wonder if you could. I, I don't want to close the program. We just have about five minutes left. Um, um, messages from uh, the passengers of Flight 123 in Japan, uh, page 105. Uh, tell us, uh, tell us yeah, the story. I mean, these, these are incredibly, incredibly sad. So this was a uh, 1985 Japan Airlines Flight 123. It was a famous flight that, that well, famous for a tragic reason. Um, it, it crashed um, after it took off. Um, 
and it took quite a while for the plane to to, to crash. You know, it was, it was quite it wasn't um, um, a steep descent. Um, so everyone on on board, or a lot of people on board, um, wrote letters to their loved ones as they were kind of descending, uh, knowing that they were about to to crash. So th- there are um, a collection of these letters. They're called Isho, uh, the JL one two three Isho. Isho translates as last notes. Um, and they're just absolutely tragic. And in fact, just a little anecdote. I was doing a Letters Live show um, a few weeks ago, and I met a lady backstage who was playing violin that night for us, and it turns out her father was one of the passengers, uh, which really wow. kind of uh, floored me. Yeah, it's absolutely unbelievable, just um, a huge coincidence. Um, but yeah, I'll just read a, a few of these lines out. There, there are quite a few of them. Um, this is from Mariko Shirai. I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. Help me. I feel sick. I don't want to die. Mariko. Keiji, Hisako, Tadaomi, Shinichi, Rihia, Sakura, Masakazi, Taniguchi, Machigo. Look after the children. Osaka, Minu, Taniguchi, Masakazu. Um, please live bravely. Please look after the children. That was Kazuo Yoshimura. Um, Hiro, this was a person called Hirotsugu Kawagachi. Uh, be good to each other and work hard. Help your mother. It's sad, but I'm sure I won't make it. I don't know the cause. It's been five minutes now. I don't want to take any more planes. Please, Kamisami, help me. To think that our dinner last night was the last time. There was some sort of explosion in the cabin. There was smoke and we started to descend. Where are we going? What will happen? Uh, Suyoshi, I'm counting on you. Darling, it's too bad that this happened. Goodbye. Please take good care of the children. It's 6.30 now. The plane is turning round and descending rapidly. I am grateful for the truly happy life I have enjoyed until now. Um, yeah, absolutely tragic. Um, I can't imagine what it takes to, to write something like that as you're as you're descending to earth. And these were these were written out, I guess, somewhat analogous to the you know the the, the cell phone calls at the the, the the twin towers, you know, on nine eleven here in the U.S. Um, and and uh, people who uh, were able to save those messages, of course, were very fortunate to be able to preserve those. Yeah, so this, because, because, yeah, because this was 1985 when people didn't have mobile phones. So I suppose this was the, you know, the, the equivalent to the um, to the voicemail messages from 9/11. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it's all it's all tragic. I mean, it's lucky that some of these survived because the, you know, obviously the plane um, went up in flames when it hit the floor, but um, quite a few few of these survived, thankfully. I want to, uh, just the end here, just about a minute, I just want to read a portion, this moving over to Lists of Note, and there, there's some wonderful and poignant stuff over there, listsofnote.com. Uh, this, I was just reading this on, on the website this morning. This is Sunday, uh, September 11th, uh, 2016. Uh, was when the blog was posted, uh, I guess, by you. How My Life Was Changed is uh, Hillary North on September 11th, 2001, was late for work. Had she been on time, she probably would have died, along with 176 of her coworkers. And she wrote a wonderful list, um, How My Life Has Changed. Let me just read a, a few of these. I can no longer flirt with Lou. I can no longer dance with Myra. I can no longer eat brownies with Suze, Suzanne Y. Uh, skipping down, I can no longer trade voicemails with Norman. I can no longer ride the elevator with Barbara. I can no longer take my life for granted, is how uh, Hillary uh, ends that. Uh, there's something similar when people write lists. Just a minute left here. Yeah, it's um, one of the one of the um, 
uh, I suppose when I was, I've been searching for letters for so long, you know, looking through these archives and museum collections, I kept finding lists written by the same people, just fascinating lists, whether they were kind of ancient shopping lists or lists like the one you've just read out, or there's a to-do list written by Johnny Cash in which he talks about he must kiss his wife and not kiss anyone else. Uh, it just, you know, I just became, you know, obsessed with lists as well. So lists of note kind of came about about a year after I started letters of note. But you can say so much in a list. Um, very different to letters, but also... You know that that they, they there are a lot of parallels as well, but it's a completely different kind of form, um, and it's, it's you know it fascinates me just as much. Um, so let me just at the end here read the the final sentence from Sean Usher's introduction to Letters of Note, Volume Two. When you're finished reading this book, pass the book on, pick up a pen, and write some letters of your own. So to which I say, Amen. Uh, letters of Note, uh, Volume Two, an eclectic collection of correspondence deserving wider audience, is out now, compiled by Sean Usher, and he has uh, joined us from his uh, home in in the UK. Sean Usher, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's, it's been very enjoyable. Thank you. And uh, thanks for listening to Access Utah. You're listening to Utah Public Radio, a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, KUSU FM Logan, also heard at upr.org. For more than a year, the election has consumed the nation. I am officially running. We're president of the United States. We're going to build the wall. Women's rights are human rights. And we will human make rights. America. Stronger together. The process is rigged. Trump's hate. On November 8th, the votes will finally be counted. NPR will have live round-the-clock coverage. Join us for the results, reaction, and analysis on the big night. Tune in Tuesday night for full election coverage here on Utah Public Radio.